At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to our newest season of Humane Podcast in 2021. Humane is your first look at the startups and industry titans that are leading and disrupting ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education. I am your host, David Jakobovich, and this is Humane. If you like this episode, remember to subscribe and leave a review. Now, on to our show. Welcome listeners to the Humane Podcast, where we deep dive into topics on augmenting humans, the future of work, developer tools, and how to build a world of humans and machines. Today's guest speaker is Thor Ernstson. He is the founder of Feedback Loop, as well as the CEO and founder of Strata. He's built startups that have looked at architecture, at data, and how to build stronger human relationships. Thor, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. To start off, can you share with us throughout your career, how did you get into working with humans and machines? Can you start for the audience where you came from and what led you to found these ventures? Yeah, happy to. It starts in the very beginning in in rural Iceland. Grew up on the northern coast of Iceland in a little fishing village of about 450 people. And technology there is a little bit different than how we think of it today. But um, around the way, I wound up in New York, 20 years in the U.S. and 10 in New York and absolutely love it here. And the reason is primarily that there's so much creative energy around exactly your topic. How do you leverage technology to scale up what people are doing day to day? And um, I started a handful of companies in this space. I've been in gaming, healthcare, enterprise tech, and now sort of personal communication and relationship building. And the common theme is always, how do you leverage massive data to make recommendations of actions, of communication, of even healthcare options and things like that? So with Rally Health, we were combining your your clinical data with your self-reported and observed data to figure out recommended communities, content, challenges, things like that. Massively successful, does a few billion in revenue uh, as a part of United Health Group now. And then in 2014, started started Feedback Loop to really help people understand if a product was going to be successful before you build it, which is obviously a big question. And turns out we can use, similarly, technology to access 110 million people on demand to figure out who you might want to target, who you might want to talk to, who you might want to interview, who you might want to get to test your product, things like that, and then getting feedback in real time on any idea or question from really anybody. And that was really cool. We got about a half the Fortune 100 using it, leveraging AI at pretty much every stage, starting with the data entry from the person, translating it into a sort of proper question, properly research style question on the back end, and then analyzing both people's behaviors as well as obviously their answers and then presenting it in some sort of format. 
And then at the beginning of COVID, I realized one of the challenges that we all had is, is really like you meet all these people throughout your career and you want to stay in touch. But despite all of our best intentions, it's, uh, it's just really hard. It's hard to remember it. Everybody has manual hacks. They put together spreadsheets or just lists of lists of name on a piece of paper or stacks of business cards. And then from time to time, they might go through them. But, but generally, we just let these relationships wither and don't stay in touch like we should. And COVID sort of put a fine point on that for a lot of us. So I'm building toolkit to really help executives. And it could be anybody, but our focus is primarily on executives that have these sort of non-sales relationships that are, and what we hear over and over, their most valuable asset. And yet there's no tools to manage it. So that's what we're building. And so thinking about what you built and scaled at Feedback Loop to where you're at today on Strava, can you tell us how the work you've done at Feedback Loop has informed your decision on this new venture? Absolutely. So what we were doing at Feedback Loop, the core of it is really you take a business question. Is this going to work, for example, which is not a well-formed research question. So you have to translate it into the intent of the question. What you're intending to do is assess functionality or competitors, features or price point or messaging or whatever it is. And there is a best practices way to ask those questions. But generally, people don't know what it is. However, what they'll do is ask the same kind of bad question over and over and over so that our system will just match it to the proper question on the back end. So if you're asking, will people want to use this, then it'll actually create a battery of about 10 questions on the back end that properly assesses the intent of your question. And that's exactly the same kind of work that we have to do at Strata, where you might say something in an email like, let's catch up next quarter. And in many cases, you do intend to do that. You do have intent to stay in touch with somebody. But in many others, especially if you're a VC, you might say things like looking forward to staying in touch when you have zero intention of actually staying in touch with the person. So it's an interesting challenge of being able to suss out on an individual level what they actually mean and then helping them carry through whatever it is that they say they're going to do. You know, thinking about what you just shared there for, which is about relationships that we all have the most best intention Mm -hmm. to continue to sync up and connect and whether it's business or personal, not only on someone's birthday, right, but staying in touch. And during the pandemic, that became a lot harder because it was all virtual. And then people started doing exactly what you suggested. Let's put it in a spreadsheet, right? Let's, Let's put it in the calendar. But it's a very manual process. And there's always been the classic, uh, the numbers, right? We talk about relationships that every human can manage. There was uh, classic stories in the New York Times about Dunbar's number, right? It's Mm -hmm. a new study that said, you know, on average, each human can only maintain about 150 relationships. Mm -hmm. That's from your friends, your family, your workplace, everything. Outside of that, it's just so much for our mind to quantify. We have to put it somewhere. We have to augment it somehow. And so what I'm hearing is that you're building a new operating system, so to speak, to capture not only these 150 relationships, but more than that. That's exactly right. Because even though you can only, in your mind, juggle, let's just say 150, and the number the number is a bit fuzzy, but let's say that it is 150, you interact with thousands of people 
throughout your career. And you go to our conference and you meet a bunch of great, interesting people you want to stay in touch with. You have coworkers that you may have worked with five years ago, 10 years ago, doing either something really fascinating and you want to stay in touch, or they're just friends and you liked interacting with them and you want to stay in touch. But just like you said, you can't. It's just too hard for us to do as people. But it's a trivial thing for a computer to do. So it's a perfect example of where you can leverage technology, broadly speaking, to augment what we already want to do. We want to be better for our network, for our people. And we want to give back and we want to be helpful. We want to make introductions. We want to you know, be more mindful of what's going on in their life. We want to remember things. We want to do all these things, but we're limited by you know a number of things. But being able to just work in the background and monitor all this stuff and then give you specific recommendations. You should do this. Send this email to this person. You said you were going to do this. Now go do it. Things like that. And uh, and you're right that you don't want to do it just on these obvious occasions like birthdays. I guess it's fine. It's nice to get happy birthday when it's your birthday. But, you know, you're going to get 100 of them or however many. And the individual relationship and connection kind of gets drowned out. So a good example is if, uh, if somebody tells you they're moving, like so many people did during COVID, or if somebody takes a new job, like LinkedIn will tell you to congratulate them with, with some sort of silly emoji. You don't really need to reach out when they get the new job. That is almost too much because they're overwhelmed by everything. But if you reach out three months later, how was the job going? And that's going to be way more thoughtful, way more even authentic because you're doing it because you genuinely care as opposed to when they're overwhelmed and inundated. So there's things like that that are little things that are basically things that we all do or want to do that Strata helps them not just manage and track, but actually do. It will help them be better people for their network, for their relationships, and, and they'll build deeper and more authentic relationships. And when you think about your product at Strata, I think, Thor, you mentioned that it goes all back to relationships and that you discovered as a serial entrepreneur, a former founder and founder again, that your professional network has been important, but there are relationships that could be untapped that we forget about. You know, LinkedIn, you might have more than 150 connections, I would assume, but do you regularly stay in touch with them all? So there's the opportunity to unlock that network. That's exactly right. And it's, you know, most people, when they first think about it, they're like, oh, I want more out of my network. But when we interview, especially the more senior you get, and we interview people, what we learn is the same thing over and over. And it's not that they want to get something out of their network. It's not that they want to, they want to know who they should reach out to for, for a sale or for a deal or for a VC. You know, you need to stay in touch with your LPs and stuff like that. But it's really more about giving back. It's more that they want to help their, you know, people that they look to them and they want to be responsive. So when they get an email from somebody that needs something, the activation energy is just too high, too high of a hurdle. So what, we have happened over and over. People will like declare effectively email bankruptcy. And they'll just say, like, if you emailed me in the last few months, like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to get back to you. Try again later, basically. And it's kind of sad because these are the most important things. And what we've heard over and over and over is that it's not the school you went to necessarily or the job you have or your net worth or anything like that that matters. It's the people you went to the school with, the people you worked with. And the people that you can now lean on or have, you know, or give back to in some way. 
And personally, like as an entrepreneur, that's by far the most important thing. You can get money from VCs and that's fine, but you can't replace the people that you work with. And to get the right people, you know, personally, it's always about leaning on, leaning on my network, which obviously benefits me if I'm doing something, but also it benefits the other person. If you make an introduction for me and you may, and it becomes a co-founder and so we build a business together, then everybody benefits. And that's the other thing that I found so fascinating in this is that there aren't one way relationships. So whenever you have something like that, whenever you follow up from an introduction, it could be like the smallest thing, you strengthen the relationships all around and everybody does benefit, even if it's just from like a casual, like, hey, thinking about you, hope you're doing well. Thanks a lot for this thing you did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think about emails. I mean, emails are literally the vein of everyone's existence, <laughs> right? Nope. And for me, I did something in the pandemic where I realized I just had email overload from everything. And so I separated out my newsletter inbox from my people inbox, right? Mm -hmm. Like actual real emails from real humans that are saying, hey, David, I need your time. And my non-people uh, inbox, I'll call my AI inbox, these newsletters, at the time of this recording, it's almost 15,000 unread emails. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because come on, right? Like you and I were building, right? Builders gonna build. Do I don't have time to consume all that content. All that content's incredible. I wouldn't be subscribed to those newsletters if I didn't love every single one of them. There's only so much time though and time to get access to those relationships and ensure that we're thinking with the data first and the AI first. So with that, talking about Strata, can you tell me more how it's data science focused or it's AI first? Absolutely. And you just highlighted a perfect example. People can't actually track all the communication again. Uh, and there are so many things that fall through. So what we do first is we start with a bunch of rules. So there's heuristics around what might be important. And it's just sort of static analysis of, of your communication, of your calendar, of your stuff like that. And then what we learn over time is who's important to you. So what we'll do is model basically all of your relationships and show you not just who you talk to a lot and things like that, which is fine, but not that interesting. But rather, if there's an expected cadence, somebody you regularly talk to every six to nine months, but you haven't talked to in a year or two, that's most likely somebody that one reason or another is sort of fading. And if you act on it, you strengthen it. If you don't act on it, then you choose to effectively let that continue. And from a personal standpoint, if you're looking at it as a, as a person and you're saying, you know, then th there may be a reason for this. There may be a reason for why the communication stopped. So what we have to do in the data is actually model explicitly. So first learn through your behaviors, through your actions, things like that, which is really cool and interesting. But then model all these exceptions. Turns out it's your ex-wife and it didn't end well. And you don't want to talk to her again. You used to talk to her a lot, but not anymore. Or it might be a coworker. And you worked with them a lot on a project, and then all of a sudden, you're not working together anymore. So the cadence changes. So what we have to do and what we learn is the data itself isn't actually 
the same as what a person would interpret it as. That just because you did something, it doesn't mean you should necessarily do it again. So now our models are all these kind of funny meta models where we see how what the data actually says. But then now we have to start classifying them by sort of the human labels. So somebody you, you had a burst of communication with and then not anymore, maybe it's because they're a lawyer or they're a real estate agent or they're you know, some sort of vendor. And it may sound and look really friendly, but it wouldn't take long for a person to say, oh, no, that's, that's not really a close relationship. So we're very much data first. And everything we do is around how do you model, capture, and make recommendations on the data itself without really knowing what it is. So how does a computer start to learn and think more like a person would when it comes to analyzing you know, one of the most human things is just your, your relationships? And it's really fascinating because the data is almost always wrong in the first pass. So we have to have these models around it to have it make sense. That's right, right? The, the data gets muddy and murky. There's noise and you want to discover the signal from that noise. And as you mentioned, there might be a relationship with a coworker, hundreds or thousands of emails, but does that mean you want to get on the call with them or reconnect? Perhaps or perhaps not. And so there is that changing nature of relationships. You and I previously spoke about that. For mm-hmm. example, as you mentioned, the ex-wife or that coworker you're no longer with. And now also relationships have gone not only data first, but also digital first. We've seen that with the pandemic that, you know, you and I would maybe be recording this podcast in person <laughs> or getting a cup of coffee. And, and here we are in the in the remote or hybrid world. How do you see that changing nature of relationships in the world and with the product? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So I think the, I think COVID and just in general digitization of everything and making everything Zoom makes this problem much worse. Because before, you would get a coffee, you would see somebody in person, you have all these nonverbal cues, you have all these triggers, you have all these memories that are way more than what you have when it's just pixels on a screen. So you don't get any of the other things that people rely on to build relationships. So it is kind of flat, kind of, you know, single dimensional, if you will, as a result. So I think a couple of things are going to happen. I think people will 100% want to get back in some sort of real world setting. I don't know if it's going to be events in the same way or or meetings in the same way, but whatever it is, it'll be some sort of face-to-face interaction because Zoom is just so limiting for all this stuff. But the problem is going to get much worse because you will still have more people digitally than you did before. And there are people you work with, there's people that you're close to maybe. And and I know for myself, there's a, a few groups that I'm a part of, and there's one where we meet every month on Zoom. And we had a dinner two weeks ago. So we met up for the first time it was pretty much when we all saw each other in real life. 
And in five minutes, I learned more about those people than I did in the last 14 months on Zoom. Because it's not as structured. It's not as, you know, you're not, you're not limited to just what you say. You know, the, the range of what you communicate and how you communicate is just so much, so much greater that I don't even remember a single conversation we had on Zoom, but I remember everything we talked about at that dinner. So being able to capture that and really like help me do more with it is the key. So as uh, COVID goes away, hopefully soon, we're going to have all these weird hybrid experiences and we're going to continue it. And uh, the fact that there is no tools to help in the same way that you have, you know, investment management. If you make a, if you make an investment and it doesn't matter what, you generally hire a person to do it for you. Or now you have tools like Wealthfront and Betterment and all this where you can do it automatically and make it easy and do it a little bit at a time. And that's exactly the kind of thing we want to, we want you to do with your network, where it's like investing in and giving back, doing it in a more thoughtful way and just doing the things you're already doing. And it's just crazy that we've all been sort of locked in these Zoom jails for the last 18 months. And uh, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting, interesting time as the world starts spinning again. As we're leaving the Zoom jails, so to speak, you know, I've set a policy called no Zoom Fridays. So <laughs> Fridays, I take no video calls. I'll still take calls, but it's audio only. I think it's a great way to mentally declutter, relax, detox from this concentrated effort that's staring at pixels for hours upon hours. And, you know, whether we're looking at audio conversations or seeing these pixels on the screen through video, there's a lot to unpack and uncover. And these conversations are not simply, hey, this is an action, a next steps. But these repeatable conversations could have results or actions. And I want to dive deeper with that thought about Strata. Is it tools simply to just return to inbox like, you know, Google where they say, <laughs> you know, hey, I unsnooze the email. Or is there something more? Are you uncovering insights based on actions? No, that's exactly right. It's um, we're helping you uncover the things you should be doing, even if you don't know you should be doing them. That's kind of the, the key here is that it's doing the thinking and the heavy lifting for you. You click to accept it. You can reach out, you can action it. You can say like create a task out of it basically. So that if I say to you in an email or if you send me an email, it's like, Oh, introduce me to other speakers for the podcast. Then great. In the moment, as I'm looking at the email, I might think of a few people, but I guarantee you, as soon as I close that email and go to something else, it's just going to go away. Nothing is going to bring that back to my mind unless I see it again or something's in front of me. But I want to do it. I would want to make introductions because obviously somebody coming coming and speaking to the audience here is going to be super relevant for them and, and for you guys. So the question of how do we streamline that process and go from I want to do it to actually doing it and using Strata to close that gap. And that's sort of the, the crux of what we're doing. So if I say I'm going to send you something, then that effectively creates a task in our system. It's a trigger where a week or two is like, hey, you said you're going to send something. Are you actually going to do that? Yes or no? Great. Now you could go on and do that. Or if no, then fine, you snooze it until later and you just forget about it. If I say I'm going to introduce you to Mike, then great. Which Mike? This Mike. Great. Here you go. Here's the introduction email ready to go. 
to make it as easy as possible to just do the thing I say I'm going to do. <laughs> Basically, be, be more accountable using technology to do that as opposed to, you know, having to do all of it myself. Because when you're staring at a blank piece of paper or an unwritten email, basically, it's a lot harder to get started than if you have a few things ready to go. So if you start with something and you're editing it versus writing it from scratch, there's a lot of like human behaviors like that that are just to make it easier, to make it even more fun and help you do the things you said you're already going to do. So it's all about insights and it's all about actions and it's all about streamlining the process and, and closing the gap between intent and, and actually doing it. I really like where you're going with this, Thor, because for me, I have... I don't know if it's only me, but I have this like never ending to do list, mm -hmm. right? And of course, I prioritize it and use Pomodoro techniques and all all the tricks in the books, right, to optimize it. But even then, it's never ending. And at one point or another, I'll go into it and realize I was supposed to do this weeks ago. What happened? <laughs> you know, if if only right there was a system to then remind me for that. And and sounds like you are solving for a gap in the market that will be beneficial both to consumers and enterprises. And there's a lot of technology that's enabling that. That technology sounds like it's looking at the core AI breakthroughs. We've seen this decade, there's been two core breakthroughs in AI. One has been around computer vision with video and audio, though initially you're focusing more on the text side, the natural language and processing, the content and context that we're seeing in the emails from writing hundreds of words or just a few words. Is there any context there that can impact the actions and follow-throughs I should take? Share with us more about why natural language processing is so important for Strata. For sure. There's a lot of really interesting work that has been done that we can leverage. And you're right that like building this from scratch even 10 years ago would not be possible. And it's everything from memory constraints on the actual servers, the fact that I can spin up a, a 90, was it 96 or 92 core Amazon instance and just at the click of a button and train a model. I couldn't have done that before. So it would have been prohibitively expensive and prohibitively hard, actually. It's just not, wasn't there. So today, give you real-time example. It's a conversation that I had half an hour ago. We're training a model on figuring out when a conversation is over. So how do you know in an email that you don't have the intent to, to continue the conversation? Because you don't really say like goodbye like you would at the end of end of a phone call. You just don't <laughs> respond. So thank, thank you for your email. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's lots of ways that email threads end and we're trying to figure out, can we tell which ones are natural and which ones are effectively errors where you were, you dropped the ball on something. It's a fascinating problem. And we have you know millions of messages to train on where you can see this, this ended and this didn't. And then we've got to figure out, well, how do you know if it was, you know, if it was intentional or not. And then by spending the time to create a model like that, we can now deploy that against everything else in, you know, milliseconds fractions of milliseconds even. So it's really easy once you go through the heavy lifting of, of doing the training, doing the modeling, deploying it is just something that just works. And it's really, really cool to see these just random things. We have, a, have an idea and then a couple of days later, we'll know if it's helpful or not. So obviously we'll dog food it all in our own 
on our own accounts. And then we'll see like, oh, well, that's actually somebody that I really needed to talk to. Well, that's somebody that, that the system correctly classified as this type of person. And in this mode, that's absolutely somebody I need to talk to. So for example, one of the first ones we did is um, poker buddies. So people that, like, can the system tell who's an actual friend that I would play poker with? And I think it was it was so close to, it was over 80% accurate in who it got. And it was really amazing because there was people on there that somebody would made an introduction to me years ago saying, you know, David likes to play poker, so keep him in the loop. And I just totally forgot, didn't do it. And then now, a couple of years later, it's like, it's a great reason to reach back out. And, you know, I feel like a bit of an asshole for having not done it, but the system can actually surface those things. So imagine if I'd had it back then and how many other missed opportunities effectively and, and, you know, other like failures to respond or follow up or whatever it might be there. And there are hundreds of them. So when we build a model for these kinds of things, it's always really like eye opening to see my own data come back to me in this format where it's like, here are the things you should have done. Damn it. Yes, I should have done that. I think of a lot of these great tools on the market that have solved for executive assistant tasks, such mm-hmm. as X.AI, which was acquired by Bizabo, and Calendly, where we automate the calendar management through automations and triggers. So they're solving for the executive assistant market. I get the sense with what you're building for at Strata, you're solving for the chief of staff market. You know, basically Mm -hmm. Strata will be my own personal chief of staff to say, hey, David, did you do this project? Did you follow up with this person? You know, keeping me in check so that I'm being accountable. What do you think about that chief of staff? Yeah, it's a combination of things. So it's definitely chief of staff in, in that way, but arguably it's more like a social secretary. Mm-hmm. So it's like helping organize the most important relationships you have. So for example, if you're traveling to Chicago, who should you reach out to there? Because there's certain heuristics. So obviously people that live there, fine. Second, people you met with last time you were there, fine. Third, people you've talked about meeting up with in Chicago. And maybe you will remember that. Maybe you have you know, a super memory where you're not limited by only 150 relationships and you can actually classify all like I think minus like 30,000 people, but I can't, I have no idea who I may have talked to about meeting up in Chicago with, but the system does. So then I can just configure it going to Chicago. Here's 30 people. And like, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Great. And it's not like you send out a mass email or anything like that. It's just, then you get 30 one-on-one messages that it makes it super easy, like pre-written. And then I can tweak each one. And just, oh, by the way, let's meet up for a coffee. Let's meet up for a beer. Let's meet up for lunch. Let's do this. Let's do that. And it just streamlines it. So imagine you you have a person and you're talking to that person and the person gives you suggestions. Like, oh, David, do you want to do this? Uh, sure. Do you want to reach out to this person? Should you send this? Should I say that? And then you basically just give your feedback. Yes, no, maybe say this, maybe say that. And the system will handle everything else. So chief of staff and the task thing, but the much, much bigger Part of it is really giving you recommendations on basically on improving your relationships and obviously staying in touch, but really around the context of what you're doing. So one of the features that we're playing around with, like the travel one is a real one. So if I'm traveling somewhere, I can get a list of everybody I should reach out to very easily with no data entry for me. So 
I can obviously change it. But the starting point is going to be a really solid list of people in Chicago, in LA, in wherever, so that if I'm going there, it'll track all those things for me. And then there's some interesting, more advanced features that I don't know if we ever will build, but it's really cool. So imagine if you get an airline reservation for a trip to LA, and then here's a list of people in LA. But imagine if they are also Strata users. The possibilities there are actually even bigger because now it doesn't even necessarily take me and you to email about something like that. The systems can just coordinate and seamlessly do all these things that would take too long, even if we both have assistants that are doing it for us. There's still so much back and forth that has to happen on scheduling and coordinating things on like pretty trivial tasks that if both people have strata, it just goes away. So like in theory, again, we're not doing this yet and probably never will, but it's really cool. If the system knows we're both going to be in the same place at the same time, you know, that could be a nice little trigger, nice little nudge saying, you know, you're, you're both going to be in London next week. You want to try to meet up. And as a startup, you're right, uh, Thor, that you have to prioritize different technology and feature requests that you build. And that sounds incredible. You know, <laughs> you and I being at the same conference in London or LA and mm -hmm. just knowing it. But we will see, of course, how that may become a reality in the future. But thinking more to where you are today and where you're going, can you tease for our, our audience a little bit more on some of the product roadmap or, or some of the next steps that you're seeing as you continue to grow and scale? Absolutely. So we have a few products that we launched, the recommendations where you get three recommendations every week, plus memes, it's all about memes now. And so corporate communication seems to be working. So that's live now called Reconnect. So definitely go to strato.cc and sign up for that. And then we're going to be launching the, the broader platform that I'm talking about that has all these integrated triggers and nudges and heuristics and patterns like travel, list building, list sharing, all those things that I suspect just about everybody is listening to this does right now. And it'd be great to hear feedback. It'd be great to, like, as we roll it out in the coming months, it'll be, um, It'll be a limited release at first, but you know, obviously anybody that reaches out says they, they heard about it here will get priority access. Excellent. Well, I cannot wait to play with the product. It's at strata, S-T-R-A-T-A dot C-C. And uh, today's episode of Humane, we've been featuring Thor Ernstson, the founder of Feedback Loop and the CEO and founder of Strata. Thor, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me again. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Humane Podcast. Did the episode measure up to your thoughts on ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education? Share your thoughts with me at humanepodcast.com forward slash contact. Remember to share this episode with a friend, subscribe and leave a review, and listen for more episodes of Humane. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, 
We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.